like I don't have to be one version of myself in any one setting like I um, Solange talks about there are too many versions of herself to be one you know her new album and I feel very strongly about that like I'm not just um, I don't just have duality or multiplicity like there are many many parts mm. of myself that enter a space every single time I come into a space and I try to honor all of that all the time hey y'all so as you know it's been a minute since I've dropped an episode life has been happening I've been grad schooling I've been black womaning I've also been procrastinating <laughs> Um, we're getting around to this, but I'm, I'm really excited um, to share with you today's episode wherein I'm speaking to Erin Elliott about so many beautiful things. We're talking about life. We're talking about values. We're talking about digging deep and anchoring ourselves and all those beautiful things. And I hope you enjoy today's episode. Yes, I can hear you. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I can hear you too. I don't know why I didn't uh, go to my app, but whatever we hear, it's going to work through the browser. (laughs) Oh my goodness. How are you doing under quarantine? Oh, girl. Uh, It has been a struggle to be productive, to be Mm -hmm. focused, you know, to do anything. Working at home for me is not easier. That's why I like to go to coffee shops and (laughs) be on campus or in a space where there's like other people around. So I can be like, oh, yeah, I need to do work because it is it's not easy. And I have a puppy. She's only nine months old. So she's still very excited and wants to play and wants to do all the things. Um, all the time so but Mm. we're here we're here I think I'm grateful for um, financial stability during a time with so much uh, uncertainty I'm grateful for family who is healthy all around on both sides Um, Mm. and my partner's family is also healthy so I'm grateful for all Mm. (laughs) yeah it's it's a strange time we live in and I keep telling people it's like it's like a movie we've all seen before, you know? All, all okay. Levels, right? So, like, whether it is the apocalyptic feel, whether it is Black people being disproportionately affected by a health crisis, you know, like, from on every level, this is, like, something we've seen before, but in so many other ways, it's something we've never seen before. So, that that's just something I've been pretty much processing. Can you hear me? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, yeah, I heard you the whole time. <laughs> okay. Um, the, the processing, I think, um, I think it's it's just difficult to be in a space. Uh, it's this is something I find difficult in my academic work too. Is how can I both be grateful for all the beauty that I'm experiencing while critiquing and not taking mm-hmm. away from that gratitude and mm-hmm. like the, I think that's a hard balance to strike because mm-hmm. you, I feel like nothing, nothing in life should go without critique. Like even the most beautiful thing in the world, the most amazing thing in the world, like everything could be critiqued and made better. Yeah. Um, 
myself, like on my best day, I'm like, well, if I would have just done this, like this would have been better. And how can I improve this and do this and whatever. And so um, trying to think about like the disproportionate effects for black folks, specifically in Michigan, because that's where I'm living and you're still here too, where we only make Mm -hmm. up like 12 to 14% of the entire state's population, but we are past 60% in terms of being affected and dying from COVID cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're seeing now that this isn't necessarily an <laughs> what did people what were people calling it a universal uh, yep. because that's what uh, like that's what the, equalizer the narrative was at first right remember right. the narrative at first was oh this is affecting everybody blah blah which I mean right. yes it is but what do those impacts look like right for yeah. the communities that people are connected to well it's it's exposing what what resources people have and don't have right. It's, just, yeah. it's exposing a lot. It's exposing the ways in which our political systems are flawed. You know, it's 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 exposing the way we think and care about black bodies, right? Girl. Um, also, like, yes, we might all be experiencing COVID, right? But that's the difference mm-hmm. between equality and equity. Yep. And so, yes, it might Excellent be a universal said. equalizer. <laughs> like, we might all be experiencing, we might all have to be at home, but some of us can't can't work from home, so we lost our yeah. jobs. You yep. know, and some of us can't afford to go two months without having income. And so we lost our houses. Mm-hmm. And so some of us are not being able to pay for our cars or whatever. And so we're losing yeah. those too. And so, uh, or we don't have access to healthcare. I in class or really she's a classmate, a friend, mm-hmm. whatever, <laughs> who was saying that her boyfriend um, went to ask to get tested. And since they're I think there's from someplace on the East Coast, they don't have U of M's mm-hmm. insurance. And they said that it would have been $900 out of pocket. Mm-hmm. So they don't have insurance for, for a COVID case, uh, a tester. Mm. Wow. And it's like, excuse me, who got $900 to get tested? And then y'all, it's not like y'all have any remedies for it. No. <laughs> so, so I'm going to get tested, that, I'm going to go back what? home. Right. <laughs> it's, it's been a lot. And I guess that's why I'm like, I've, I've been doing what I can to check in on folks, to check in on myself, you know. Um, and I think everybody has different coping strategies. Um, sure. And as you said, like the thing that I think about often is a lot of people are in home spaces where they're not safe. And that's that's that makes me grieve when I think about that. I think about children, yeah. right? I think about women. I think about people who are vulnerable. I think about the people, the folks I know in New York where everybody is living in like, you know, a one, two bedroom apartment. Like I, I think about those things on a day to day and it's almost, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's so big. It's so big for all of us to carry in. I just, I don't know. I hope that a remedy for the situation comes soon, but who even knows what that's going to yeah yeah it is hard with and we see that domestic violence cases are rising mm-hmm. um people are con- not being able to like reach their alcohol because certain stores have closed down and so that means they have to get further away so mm-hmm. uh, de- re- deaths related to alcoholism are increasing and spiking mm-hmm. yeah. i just saw an article today um that said that marijuana can put you at risk similar to cigarettes which is something we already know to um getting COVID. Yeah, because Mm -hmm. it it causes inflammation in your lungs. Mm -hmm. And so now, like, if people were using weed as a stress reducer, might not even be an option for them anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, well, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of sources that are hitting us from a lot of different angles. But 
you know, my hope for us is for us to continue to move towards wellness and some type of remedy for this situation. Yeah. And so that's something I've been, you know, or something that I feel like we should all continue to pray about. And so I wanted to have some folks on because I was like, you know what, we home. And this podcast idea has been a very long time coming. Yes. <laughs> sometimes I could be very resistant. You know, I probably should do. Um, and this is one of those things. I was like, oh, I'm busy. Oh, I got things to do. No, I don't want to do it. And then my friend was and like, now you home. So what's good? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? She was like, you can interview me. I was like, but why? She was like, okay. I'm going to just drop it there because now you you already got all the information that you need <laughs> and we right. just on the podcast. And, <laughs> uh, so she just did a recent like guest episode, her and one of my other friends from undergrad and it was just really beautiful and I was like, all right, I'm going to get back into it. Yes. So I just Share really your brilliance with the world. Aww. It is <laughs> you know? And, and that's the reason why I, I feel like I wanted to have you on. I thought about you in particular because you bring a particular light and energy to spaces that like you can't buy that you can't build that that just somebody just is mm. and I think that that's really important and that's really meaningful because even when I first met you you know anybody that first meets you I can probably pretty much put my money on it and say I know that they will experience that right and that's not to say people are perfect or people don't have flaws but there's something to, to be said about somebody who always has a bright countenance and not like in a superficial way but that means a lot that means to me from what I see you've been doing work on yourself for a long time right you try you try to be very self-aware you try to be good to people because that's what you want to attract in your life and I think that's important you know you always are affirming folks you know and that that is a gratitude practice that it goes it goes beyond skin deep so that's mm. that's something that's been really meaningful um you know in our interactions and I don't know if I said that to you before <laughs> definitely something I noticed <laughs> you had me on here crying early <laughs> uh, thank you honestly thank you so much like that I think um it's exactly what you said like I've been working on myself for a really long time mm-hmm. um I just saw like Facebook loves to remind you of what you was doing 10 years ago <laughs> and I just saw something from 2013 um from like two days ago where I was basically saying like a picture of myself and like we really need to start working on ourselves and thinking about our own demons and, and how we can mm-hmm. combat them before we even ask of anyone else to do anything for us. Like if we're mm-hmm. not, if we don't feel good about ourselves, like really feel good, not a performative feel good. Yeah. Then how can we even begin to like invoke on this mm-hmm. journey of pleasure, you know, of, of surrounding ourselves mm-hmm. in pleasure. And I want to, I want to be a source of pleasure in my own life. And I think that allows that light to kind of shine mm-hmm. through naturally like there are days yeah. I have days here and there like the other day I was hella cranky that was the first time in a while where I was just angry all day for no reason <laughs> other than PMS um, <laughs> and that hasn't happened in a few months but like I, I allowed myself to be present on that day and just sit with my, being angry for whatever and annoyed and that makes the other days of feeling grateful and happy and my being grateful for my body doing what it does being grateful yeah emotions and allowing myself the space to be emotional or sensitive or in tune or whatever um because that's that's who I am and I don't want to hide that or take away from that and so yeah 
I saw it to say, I've been doing this work for a while and I thank you for seeing me because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's hard. It's hard. And, um, I know. it's not an easy journey. People think that self-care is like the, Oh, we go to the spa and we, you know, we mm-hmm. get our hair done and we get our nails done and we, and we do all of these things. And it's like, yes, those are part of self-care, but the real work on yourself comes from mm-hmm. sitting with, with your inner demons on learning your trauma. Yeah. Um, the trauma that you have caused other people and played a part in and the trauma mm-hmm. that has been done to you and to yep. forgive yourself for doing what you could at the time with what you had. And mm. I think all that shit, I don't know if I can cuss on here, all of those things are really yeah, hard. Cuss, girl. <laughs> <laughs> we grown. <laughs> and that's, that's a, a lot of heaviness because I think that part of it, so I am a busybody, right? Mm-hmm. I'm one of those people who always doing something. When I tell you, you can tell me, you know what, Sidia, you got two months off and you don't have no responsibilities. And I'll be like, oh, oh my God, I should write this mm-hmm. curriculum. Mm-hmm. Like, let me, and I do not sit still. And that's something I've been working on within myself. And I'm so grateful because my first year of grad school was shit. Like, yeah. it was a lot. Um, and the second year, you know, I moved and everything in the middle of my first year. Um, so for second year, when I moved into my apartment, and I don't think you've been here before yet, Mm-mm. but I was very intentional about crafting my space. Like I, when I tell you very intentional, very intentional, right? Like I remember when I came and I moved in here, I remember when I was praying and blessing my house. I mean, when I say in like that, mm-hmm. the way that I was able to pray in that moment from, from that down to the plants that I made down to the wooden crates that I spray painted and Listen. put my plants in down to, you know, the way I organized yeah. my place was important for me because what I found first year was being an undergrad, like I loved my undergrad experience and all of that. Mm-hmm. And home for me when I was an undergrad was bigger than just my dorm room. But mm-hmm. I'm in this space now where I'm moving from a student to a professional capacity and I have to curate what home means for me now. I can't go lay down in my mom's bed when I'm stressed out. I can't go yeah. to my friend's house. You know, I'm here. And so when the shutdown happened, I was like, wow, like if I hadn't been intentional about this and doing that work for so long, what would my home space feel like? Would I feel inspired when I'm sitting Mm -hmm. in my office room? You know what I mean? Would I feel inspired when I was in my kitchen cooking? Would I love my kitchen? Would I love the colors of, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it is that I have here? I got pictures that my nieces painted for me in my kitchen, like things that my friends brought for me all over. And so it's like, what would that have felt like if I didn't intentionally craft this space? But part of that was doing that hard work of saying, you need to learn how to be still. Yeah. You know? Um, and I don't think that that's easy. So that's one of the practices I think um, cultivating that I think cultivating has benefited me. Mm. And so give us an intro, Erin. <laughs> <laughs> we like 13 minutes and we need an intro. An intro, an intro. Okay, what you want me to say? What do I say? Tell us whatever you want to tell us. Okay. And keep cool. Whatever you want to keep. Oh, wow. I love, I love that. I love that. Got to keep some parts for yourself. Okay. Um, okay. So I am Erin. Erin um, Elliott is my, my full name. I am thinking about <laughs> transitioning my name into being all lowercase. I've been really inspired about by Bell Hooks. And um, for, even before I knew about Bell Hooks when I was younger, I um, used to always love the way, because my name starts with the E, I loved lowercase E's more than I loved mm. uppercase E's. And so I'm thinking about that and thinking about the power that that has. 
Um, mm-hmm. I'm from North Carolina. I'm a Southerner. I love being <laughs> in the Midwest and telling people I'm a Southerner. It's not a lot of us here in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a doctoral student. I'm a first year doctoral student in education. I consider myself a social scientist. I love thinking about um, pop culture and, and how that fits into our world and academia and how we come to know all of these things as as we are, I don't know if we're considered millennials or right after millennials or right before where exactly we fall. I think my birthday is like right in between two different like <laughs> groups. But Best. as people, yeah, okay. as people grew up, who grew up in the age of social media, as MySpace was booming, as Black Pan- Planet was booming. Um, <laughs> and now we have Instagram and, and Twitter and Snapchat mm-hmm. and all the, and TikTok, all the different TikTok. apps, right? <laughs> where we're coming to know ourselves and we get so much inner um, information. And so I'm interested in thinking about like how this information is influencing our everyday lives. I think I ask a lot of questions about, okay, we're saying these things on Twitter, but do people actually believe this? Like if, if somebody gets 20,000 retweets, does that become like a staple for automatic knowledge? Like that's fact, right? So if somebody says, um, treat a woman like X, Y, and Z, and that gets 100,000 retweets, are, are women now internalizing these beliefs about like, that's how I'm supposed to act or do whatever to get a man or... Mm-hmm. Uh, of course I'm speaking about heterosexual relationships as a heterosexual woman mm-hmm. um, but so that's a little about me in terms of like what I'm thinking and where I'm going um, what I like to do and just like a everyday say I have a photography business uh, I love Period. Taking pic- <laughs> tell us your Instagram page tell us where to find your info drop that yes so my photography page is Erinae E-R-I-N n-a-e photography.com um the instagram is the same just without the dot com um and so i love taking pictures of people i've always loved archiving things people when i was younger would be like you're such a creep like why are you always in the back taking photos and now (laughs) as i'm older i'm like i have thousands of photos that i can go back in a moment of time and say boom this is what was happening or I can make, try to make sense of what was happening in that photo. Like mm-hmm. people, I now have photos of people that I, people were saying that I was being creepy in or whatever and being in the and now they taking photos. Got the pictures. Yeah. Or because <laughs> like, you know, I've had a couple of family members over the past year pass away and guess who my family mm-hmm. asked me if I have any, guess, guess who they come to mm-hmm. for pictures? Me. <laughs> so and that's, I, like, I think that's beautiful too. Like, because I think a lot about, so uh, uh, one of the big topics on my podcast is about spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I think about gifts a lot, um, particularly in the context of a family or a lineage or a group. And you being that scribe in that sense is really, that's a gift that you have from very young. And as you're mentioning, like people sometimes like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? But somewhere along that road, you found the confidence to continue with that gift. And it's serving your family and your loved ones. And I think that's important for young kids to learn or people to learn about kids, too. Because yes. people become the archivist in the family if you yes. watch that, you know, that that uh, inclination in a child. And not even that. Well, yeah, I think that's a good point. And I also mm-hmm. think that um, beyond being an archivist for your own family, you can make a career people when YouTube was becoming popular people are like oh this is just another influencer Mm -hmm. on on some there's they're on some bullshit like they don't have many followers and then overnight somebody like Mm -hmm. Jackie Aina goes from a hundred two hundred followers to a million and now makes her whole entire like livelihood off of being an influencer and so shutting down Mm -hmm. children's dreams because you can't you don't have the vision 
right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that these babies don't have the vision and that you can't find somebody to give them the tools to finish that vision, I think is also something mm-hmm. that's important. That's um, so I want to tie two things together that you said <laughs> now. I'm going to ask you, like, yeah, I'm going to be in with this now. Yes, but, come on. So <laughs> you mentioned about visibility really in the cyberspace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and talking about people being influencers, thinking about this idea of likes as, you know, some type of social engagement, mm-hmm. um, but also talking about this space of doing the work. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, as a, mil- as a millennial, um, watching younger kids growing up too, like, you know, I don't know if you have younger cousins or kids around you who they really do thrive on social media yeah. like that's really important for them I remember um even like something really hurtful that I, I realized when I was growing up because I wasn't in that generation between like MySpace going into like Facebook and I used to do people's pages and all of that type of but I remember when the research started coming out around cyberbullying and stuff and you know some people who didn't understand the cyber realm would think like sure. well, why is that impacting you so much just turn right, your computer right, off, turn right. your phone off but it's not really that because as you're saying the digital space is has become such an integral part of our, our lived experience and so what I'm wondering is how do you reconcile this inner work mm-hmm. or this, this kind of grounding inside with something so intangible something that can be so much of like a world when something that can be so it makes the world so small a lot of too. times you know yeah yeah and so like how how do you manage that um for my own personal uh self as somebody intentions on ever becoming like a influencer that mm-hmm. puts out specific content to get followers Mm-hmm. Um, which has changed the way for a really long time that I've approached social media. So when I was younger, I would say younger being like a senior in high school, freshman in college, mm-hmm. I had uh, public profiles and maybe switch, maybe had private profiles, but it was like accepting everyone because those likes were really important mm-hmm. to me as recognition, right? And me following people and getting a follow back. You remember follow me, for I'll follow you back. Uh, mm-hmm. The whole thing yep, yep. <laughs> was, was really important to me because that, that gives you this instant gratification But what I realized was I was following a lot of people that I didn't know and that I really did not care to see the content they were putting. And not that that doesn't mean that they were good people, but I didn't know them. So what they were putting, I had no investment in. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that it was the same thing. Like for for people who were following me, they had no investment in in the content I was putting out because Mm -hmm. they did not know me. And content could just be a selfie, right? It could be anything. I went through a purge, I think my sophomore year of college, and I went from maybe a little over a thousand followers and people I was following to like 200 in each category. And I was like, fuck y'all. I don't know y'all. Yeah. Um, and people thought for a really long time I was, I was stuck up because I did that. And I was, this is, this is for safety for myself. Yeah. And, and not because I think you'll take something I said out of context, but be, for my mental health, like, I don't know you yeah. and you posting all sorts of whatever. And that's pulling me yep. into all these things. Um, And so Mm. I think that there has to be like, we have to teach ourselves how to not necessarily need instant gratification, but to do the work because it fuels us. And when Mm. we're, when we're doing that work for, for performance reasons, to get other people to like us, to get money, then I think your content's always going to fall flat. And that gratification is always going to fall flat. And maybe it might peak at once, but it's going to fall eventually because you're not doing it for you and it's not fueling you. Um, mm. Or you're just going to be miserable. And for me, I always want to put out content, always want to have 
following me, who know me, who are invested. Mm -hmm. And that way I can always put out things that feel good to me um, Mm. and that are important to me and never feel forced or that I have to do that because my fans or my followers are saying I need to do X, Y, and Z. Mm. I think that's important, um, particularly because when I think about artists, and what art means, right? And what from the place that art comes, mm-hmm. I think it is important to to be grounded in that way, right? Because in a lot of ways, the the, the space you curate <laughs> on a social media platform, it is gonna it's gonna affect how you interact with folks, what you put out. Whether like you're saying, like whether it is something that you are internalizing and you're not realizing that you're subconsciously doing, or if it's something that you're mindful about still being shaped by um Mm -hmm. i had a conversation with somebody the other day like for me if me and somebody you know if if somebody's vibe is not good with me i don't want you to be my friend on social media it just no no and i know people are like just just keep you know just don't worry about it and i'm like but i'm worried about it like you know yeah (laughs) i need to delete this person like right (laughs) and the people don't understand that that, um social media i'm allowed to use it that way like people get so i've had so many people so upset with me like where they have told my friends not directly Mm -hmm. to me because you know how people are but they've told Mm -hmm. other people like this person don't let me follow them why she thinks she can't like I can't follow her like her content that private like it's social media yeah and I'm like it's not about that it's about I don't want to have you as my follower and me questioning like who is this person what are their motives and what kind of content are they putting out like I don't I don't care enough to know about what it is that they're doing or I think specifically when I started paying more attention to it was when um the shade room was posting so many this is a few years Mm -hmm. ago I haven't followed them in a while so many um police shootings and killings yes oh I remember that and I said I cannot be following pages who are reposting shit like this even if it's the intention is good like you should know this is happening I can't it's too triggering for me and I don't need to be um this like a uh, digital version of a, lyn- a lynching tree right yes. I don't need that I don't need that I know painful. the things that are happening it is and it's traumatizing because you're experiencing it right like as you're watching and I, I know um like for me for example on the curating a space um level I'm not somebody that will bl- I generally will not block somebody from my phone that's not so I because I feel like life is short you know all of these things mm-hmm, if you want to mm-hmm. reach out to me you can reach out to me directly but I don't think I need to be watching you and you watching me and us not talking. Like, that's a lot for me. Right. However, on the the content piece, I remember when all of those police shootings were happening. And even today, like, you know, I grew up in Philly. I grew up in the inner city. Right. So one of my close friends, like, always sends me, like, crazy stuff sometimes. Like, people be fighting people. And anytime she sent it, I just don't watch them. You know what I mean? Right. I watch, like, the video, like, I watched it, but I just don't watch them. But that reminds me that sometimes there's a conversation that might need to be had because I remember having conversations with some of my friends sometimes like, don't send me stuff like that. Right. I can't manage it. I can't, I can't hold that in my consciousness, in my body, like in my spirit, like it's too much. And I should, I should have the right to opt into content like that. And that's what following people is for. I have the right to choose Mm -hmm. (laughs) if I want to see the things that you're posting and, and then I have the right to undo it. And I think people also get upset when you unfollow them. And it's like, you're not saying nothing or doing nothing that I really care to see. And I've had people that I was friends Mm -hmm. with in undergrad get upset or just be a little salty that like I unfollowed them. And I'm like, I mean, we saw each other all the time in undergrad, so it was cool, but we didn't have a friendship. 
that's and another one and i don't really i like you could have really good things going on but like it doesn't feel genuine for me to be like oh wow you know commenting on your shit and i don't really know you or have a relationship with you that is frustrating <laughs> I, I remember Aaron, i remember there was this one girl i just was telling my cousin about this the other day there was this one girl that i went to middle school with her and they were older than me it was like her and three three girls and i remember they used to be mean to me. And not that I was, like, scared of them or nothing right, like that. Because sure. like, I would, you know, say stuff back or whatever. But they was just rude. <laughs> they, were, they were mean. They were mean. And I remember I my, my sister used to come up to the bus stop after. Because we was used to be ready. Like, all right, y'all get off the bus and fight if it's really like that. You can fight okay. my sister. I can fight you. My cousin can fight you. <laughs> it was, like, one of those situations. But I don't know when we became social media friends. But she be liking my stuff. And I'd be like, I don't even like you. And right. you don't like me. So, sis, what's really going on, Delete? Right, right, <laughs> right. There are so many people ring and I, I hear it. all the I'm like mm -mm, mm -mm. social media and I think that's how I'm able to use social I use social media almost all day every day I'm not <laughs> flex. you know there are people who say that you shouldn't be doing whatever but I'm I'm constantly checking and I think what allows me to check it without feeling drained is I have curated a list of people that I follow all the celebrities that I like like all the artists I like because I'd be like y'all niggas ain't talking about shit Mm -hmm. I don't need to follow you. Just let me know when you drop an album. Like, yeah. <laughs> you it's know, let me know when you like put out that. some work or whatever. And there are, there's only, I feel like I only follow maybe, maybe 10 celebrities. And that's because like, mm -hmm. I really like what they're about. Like, I love Sierra's content. I think mm -hmm. she, she feels like a very genuine person. Her. You know what I'm saying? And there might be a few other like artists that I follow because I just feel like at the end of the day, they are genuine people. And that's hard to say as somebody who, who is like, you know, never met them and <laughs> removed mm -hmm. from them but no but like you can feel you can feel, you can feel. and there are some mm -hmm. artists and celebrities and big name people where i'm like you know i'll just check occasionally like i know their handles it's not hard to guess usher's handle or whoever <laughs> that's an example because he was trending the other day mm -hmm. and i can just search him if i really need to see whatever he has on his page but yeah. yeah i think i think protecting yourself against the negativity that is on social media is so important because it's everywhere I think that's true I think, and I think that's a good point too, because it's like that's not just a social media lesson; that's a life lesson. Okay, right? Thinking about who and what you are allowing in your space, and what you, what, who and what you're allowing to influence you, it's a lot. You know what I mean? Like people always say, like you are the company you keep, or birds of a feather flock together, and all of mm -hmm, those things. And that's mm -hmm. not that don't mean anything inherently about your value, but sociologists would teach you that you're socialized by right that are around you so you right. know i think that's a really that's that's a really great point one thing i wanted to double back on is because i love the literary piece um <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about the i don't think everybody i don't want to assume that everybody understands or knows that bell hook's name is always supposed to be lowercase right sure um, do you want to like say a small note on why, you know, she chose to do that, like what it means and you know, how you, how it jumped out to you initially. I know you were saying you had your own experience where you just like the, the lowercase E's and mm -hmm. stuff, but what, what's the significance of Bell Hooks's name, um, in lowercase? Um, well, her name is originally, um, Gloria Jean Watkins mm -hmm. and, um, she chose Bell Hooks as a pseudonym and she members I believe is her mother and maybe grandmother or great-grandmother mm -hmm. and then um so she wanted to lowercase her name and chose specifically not to capitalize her new name because she felt like she wanted to place a focus on her work mm -hmm. rather 
friends and mm-hmm. not necessarily think too much about her personality, but her ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so if you're not familiar with Bell Hooks, she's wrote, mm-hmm. written a lot on feminist theory, black feminist theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite book by her is all about love. That's on um, my bookshelf and- right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where she's talking about different types of love and of, of loving yourself, loving the people around you, and, and approaching things from uh, a mm-hmm. place of love, and how people so, understand it too. That's I, I yes. think that was really beautiful. My favorite text by her though is "Sisters of the Yam: Black Women and Self Recovery." That book gets me. Oh, I've not read that. Sis, you gotta gotta read this. I that <laughs> book to matter of fact, send me a. Um, do you like physical books or do you like ebooks? I can do either. Okay. I'm going to find it on Amazon or something like that, and I'm going to get you it. Because Yay. I don't know if they have... I have a chapter on my computer. I don't know if they have the full text in an ebook, but I remember I gifted it to one of my friends before. It's a really beautiful text, um, really talking about how Black women come to know themselves, mm. ourselves, you know, thinking about some of the questions that surround our existence. I mean, it's a beautiful text. Yes. Um, I used it to inform um, one of the curricula for the girls I was working with in Philly, where she has a chapter called Tongues of Fire, and she's talking about how we learn how to criticize each other in order to show love in an underhanded way so that, you know, mm. the masters or whoever didn't know, you know, how we were loving on each other or we didn't yeah. want to spoil each other. That sounds love. like um, also Joy DeGruy. DeGruy. I know he's talking about, yes. Post-traumatic slave syndrome. Mm-hmm. Also, she also theorizes about the ways in which um, generational trauma occurred after slavery because we were on the plantation and the master would come by and ch- start talking about our kids. And so we would say, no, he's stupid. No, he don't know yep, how to do yep. nothing. No, he weak, he whatever. And then mm. we never unlearned that. And so we would be around and always downplay that. And children never knew why a parent was doing that. And maybe the yep. parent didn't know. And why then that never left. It. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, yes. And, you know, she was talking about that. And she was saying, you can use your words to harm each other, right? And so, like, I remember <laughs> I did. You know how they have, like, a podcast now called The Read. But, like, Black people be like, yeah, she read you. Or, like, you know, people be reading people. So I remember right. talking to them about the importance of the words we use, right, to talk to each other and how that becomes the language we internalize when we talk to ourselves. And it was just a really beautiful time for us as the older mentors and then, like, the younger, you know, girls to really be talking about, like, well, why do you got to talk to somebody crazy to put them in a place that they try to disrespect you? Like, how do you understand disrespect? Like, all of these things. So, Listen, on yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to read that. On learning... Mm-hmm. Um, how to communicate with other women mm-hmm. is something that was really, really difficult for me. I think I grew up learning and he- being socialized to like, oh, you know, it's better to have male friends. They're less, yeah. they're less dramatic. They're, they don't be in the, all this yada, yada, yada. And um, mm. as I got older, I started asking myself, like, why am I giving men that I'm dating second, third, fourth chances, but I'm giving mm-hmm. a friend one. One. And that's it. And they done, you know, and that, mm. that doesn't, that, that didn't sit well with me. And I started thinking and reevaluating the way that I'm communicating with the people that I am dating versus the people that I am in other like platonic friend relationships with. Um, mm. And I started realizing that I had been, I had learned so much problematic things about women and thought even as a woman, yes. so many problematic things about other women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. I've been trying to be in a place of, I read it on Twitter the other day. It's not my original. It's not my own language. I think it was mm-hmm. like um, transformative 
or radical communication or radical transformation. It's about communication. It's like Mm -hmm. radical transformative communication or something where basically like you come into a space with another person that you might be might be having tension with or maybe you're not and you just sit down and you have very honest conversations about what you need from a person when you're in a friendship with them or if you're in a relationship with them what your expectations are where your hard limits that would that would end a friendship or a relationship um mm. and how these moments where you're always being honest it, it, it is radical because we're always telling ourselves as women like oh we shouldn't say this because it's going to make ourselves seem blah, whatever x y and z or oh you know this person is probably just having a bad day i'll just ignore it you know it'll they'll they'll shrug it off they'll apologize later or whatever and then we go five years in a friendship and realize we have all this built-up animosity because on day three we didn't tell that nigga that they had you fucked up because they asked you a question in this tone. Wow. You know? <laughs> mm. And that and that tone just kept going and we never told them that that tone actually kind of bothers us. Ate at us for five, six, however many years. And now the person is looking at you like, why are you so mad? You've yeah. been letting me do this this whole time. And so I wow. think that um, radical honesty or transformative honesty um, is such an important thing in all of our relationships, even with, with our partners, but also in our friendships platonically like mm-hmm. we have to figure out ways to communicate at the onset and then multiple check-in points along yeah. the way you know i think we assume that people always have us fucked up and sometimes <laughs> people might have them all, their own selves fucked up in that moment and not even be worried about you and what i find most mm-hmm. often is that sometimes people just really are maybe having a bad day or they might not have said it or meant it in that way and so i try to approach things with this with this practice of love that bell hooks talks about and um, giving people the benefit of the doubt always off rip. Like, I, it might irritate me a little bit, but I'm going to approach and sit down with them like, okay, so <laughs> what, was you, what did you really mean when you said X, Y, and Z? Or when you sent this text in this tone, this, this happened to me on Twitter yesterday. My friend, <laughs> yeah, she, she put a tweet out and she didn't put no LOL in it. And I was like, wait, is she playing or is she being saucy? And so I, text, <laughs> I tweeted her back playfully and then I text her and I was like, I can't tell, you know, do we need to have a conversation offline? I, I'm not sure. And she was like, no, but I'm, I'm so grateful for our friendship because we always do this. Like, mm. we always give each other the benefit of the doubt instead of like, you know, normally I think maybe another person or maybe when I was younger, I might have been mad at her for a week for nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I went on a, tan- a, a tangent. I'm sorry, but. No, I've just been thinking about what that communication means, though, because it's like, even from the time we kids, like, you have a, okay. What I was thinking about was, you know how we be in the stores. I don't know if y'all did this in North Carolina. But I don't know. <laughs> like, we used to be in the stores, right? And mm-hmm. I swear, even if you're in the store with your mom just shopping and you see another little girl, you, you roll your eyes at her real quick. Right. And she roll her eyes back. And, like, y'all be going around the store doing it. And I'm like, why are we doing that? Why are we hating like, each other? <laughs> but it's like, I don't know where you learn that. And your kids. You know, so yeah. I think about those interactions. I think about family members or friends saying things or doing things that you and that trickling into another situation, trickling into another situation and having bigger arguments. So this how fundamental communication is, but how starved we are for understanding what healthy communication looks yeah. like. Oh, I think we as black women feel as though we have to be the alpha. Um, in all of our friend circles or in our relationships or in our family, familial relationships, like we have to be the head honcho. And I feel as though 
that like messaging teaches us that we can never be wrong and we always have to do whatever, even sometimes when it comes to um, when it causes another person harm to show that we are on top, which I think is what some yeah. of that underhanded languaging. Mm. And so we have to we I I had to unlearn that. Um, and I mm. had to realize that I'm only as strong as the woman next to me and I'm only going to go as far as the people next to me. And so me trying wow. to always put people down or, you know, say some sneak shit just to make myself seem better really ends up hurting me. I look raggedy and I look dusty when I do that. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody wants to be friends with an ugly person like that's ugly that's ugly behavior but because you're cute or you have a lot of friends or you're popular or whatever it gets it gets to be okay mm. and it's not so yeah. I definitely had to unlearn that hmm. okay well I got like what three two or three more very simple questions for you okay okay but before I ask them I want to know if you have any questions for me Mm. Hey, you don't have to handle questions. I just wanted to give you space. No, I think that uh, I didn't prepare a question, but I think um, so something that you do so well is uh, make spaces for community. So regardless of what that is, right? Like I've heard about your work. I've only, I've, for y'all who are listening, I've only known Sadia since maybe October or November at the mm-hmm. earliest. Um, yep. of, of 2019 and, and we're April 2020. So it's not maybe even... And what I realized Mm -hmm. is that you create spaces for people to thrive and to come together and be in community. And so I would like to know a little bit more about your thought process and why that is so important to you. Like, um, were were there people in your family who were enforcing, like, the need for community, the need to have spaces? Did it come out of, like, some positive experiences? Because I also know it's come out of some um, negative experiences, right? Mm-hmm. But like, were there positive messaging around like community is beautiful, community is powerful, community can change the world? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it comes from a lot of places. I think um, I, I'm a very nurturing person. Mm-hmm. I love taking care of people even when I hate it you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. and it's a reflex for me so like growing up um I was like one of those what do they call it like a um parenting child or something like that parenting child something it's it's some psychology concept where you're the child that takes care of other children okay right um and from a framework around like you know where my family is Jamaican and stuff so Mm -hmm. they that is kind of like um that's a normal thing in in a lot of those contexts um especially like back in the day sure. so like it's, it's expected you don't older sibling you taking care of this one that one taking care of that one like that's that's the thing um and so I took care of my brother my nieces you know mm. like just growing up like very young so like learning how to cook for them learning how to do things with them that was fun even when we was broke we only had five right and I was taking two of them to the gallery it's like all right well we're gonna go to this one, <laughs> get a burger, to this one burger for that one we're gonna do some sightseeing like it right. was almost as if I always tried to make anywhere I went home um, mm. and I was one of them kids that was always outside on the block. I couldn't jump rope that well, but I was always outside playing my radio, dancing with those shoes on. And my friends, um, became a family for me because mm. of, like coming from my mom coming from Jamaica, she didn't have no sisters in Philly. You know what I mean? Right. I didn't really have no family, you know what I mean? Out here and the family that I did have, some of us wasn't really that close. So my friends on my block were the ones that saw me cry, saw me laugh. When it was holidays, I had to go to somebody's house, you know what I mean, to celebrate Thanksgiving or Christmas. Like, and that wasn't 
the best feeling for me, but I understood what community meant beyond mandated time. Um, And then the thing that really helped me start crafting the black girl spaces was like, I really felt like black girls and women needed space Mm. just to have space. You know what I mean? All the black women I knew had to be busybodies, always had to be working, always had to be serving (laughs) somebody, always had to be taking care of somebody, but nobody really checked in with us. And if we did, it was just really those quick moments where maybe we was at a block party and my mom got a chance to sit down and talk with her friends and I saw them laugh. But like, they were grinding. And my older sister was um, really into like holistic things. And so I guess in a sense, she was always kind of in my ear. She would, she would be like, oh, I'm going to the sister circle or something like that. And I would have to babysit my nieces <laughs> or she's hosting something at her house. Because she's like a raw food chef. chef. She's a yoga teacher. She's a mm. So she would be doing all these trainings and stuff. Um, and I would just have to babysit, you know? Sure. And so I think that has an influence as well. And then since I've gotten older, one of my uncles, he's in England now. Um, he told me that when he was young, he had a youth club for um, boys in the community that played soccer. And I did not know that. And he was telling wow. me like they had jerseys. So part of this might also be just a part of how folks in my bloodline are, or like, you know, who are part of this. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but it was something that for me, if I didn't see a safe space, I had to create it. And I love that. it had to start first with me. So in a yeah. sense, just like I told you about my apartment before Black Girlhood Comics popped off, like I had to get my because what that means is if I'm not doing my work, even if I am in community with people, I'm going to hurt people by the yep. work that I'm not doing. And so it was almost as if, like, for me, I always believe that community has a very important function in our lives. So wherever I don't see certain work being done um, and it needs to be done, I kind of just, I try to do it. So I think it comes from that space. I and then that. also people be thrusting me into those positions because when <laughs> I started the, the girls program in high school, it was like, oh yeah, we all in my basement. It was like a peer sister circle situation. But sure. years after my mentor was like, nah, sis, they need somebody at the rec center to go run a program. So what's, you going to call this number? I'm going to give it to you. And I'm like, oh, wait, why? <laughs> and then, you know, this organization that was working with adjudicated teenage girls called me and was like, yeah, uh, we saw you fly and we heard about what you was doing. Can you, uh, I said, wait, oh, what? wait <laughs> and so I answer to calls like that when they feel like the time is right and when they feel like it's right in my spirit so I think that's where that comes from <laughs> wow wow I don't know if that even answered your question but that's it that's, did. that's all I can think yeah, because I think sometimes <laughs> we think about and I, and I think the, the work is important right? this is where I say I struggle between like critiquing and being grateful I think I struggle between all like hard um things that are in opposition so like Mm -hmm. one of them would be like doing things because it just felt right and it moved you and it was a place of love Mm -hmm. you literally didn't see it and it was a traumatic experience and I think about that a lot in academia as as somebody who has also created spaces and events because there wasn't anything there Mm -hmm. felt like it was so toxic and because it was so negative right Mm -hmm. I, I love learning I think that's such a it's, it's important. The toxicity is important to note, mm-hmm. but it isn't the entirety of our being, right? Like, we don't yes. do everything and move everywhere because shit is toxic. Like, yes, that that influences us, but there's mm-hmm. also, like, being Black, there's so much in it. Goodness, yeah. and, and there's so much history in helping and being in community and nurturing and loving and creating. And mm-hmm. I, I love hearing because we know the toxic parts exist and we know that yeah. there's not spaces for us because this, these institutions weren't created for anybody like us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we weren't even allowed to work at some of these institutions when they were first founded, even as slaves. So mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's, you know, I, that, that brings me back to I think, <laughs> our first conversation, too, when, when I was talking about narrative. Like, even with my work, it was like, yeah, I want you want to jump in and be like, okay, well, let me look at this from not a deficit frame, but also having to acknowledge that those deficits contribute to why that work is important. So, you know, looking at the, the fact that all the, all the black people in the city, not black people, black boys in the city, I'm not saying every single body, because we know that, you know, not all communities have the same resources, but like they could go play basketball at the basketball court or they could go play Pop Warner or they could go, you know, what is it called? AAU or they can go to the, the police. Yeah. And <laughs> girls only had to either sit down outside and watch them play basketball or go jo- join a modeling troupe. Right. Right. Or cheerleading. Or ch- something, something like that. Because they was really, even if they was hood cheerleading, just like, oh, you're going to go put on your lip gloss and go watch a boy play Right. Basketball. Right. I've done all of that. You know what I mean? But it was really important to me that somebody see the value in those black girls and be like, nah, like let, let's let's play something for y'all. Let's think about coming together once a week. Y'all got something to eat. We can rap. Like, like what's going on? We can play jump rope. We can talk. We can do art. <laughs> you know we can just be ourselves. Exactly. And so that, that was important for me. I think that black girls need and deserve that space. You know what I mean? Yes. So, that, those yes. are some of the things that inform the way that I move in that way. Um, yep. And um, give us three guiding values or principles. Like, what are three things that are important or three morals? I don't know. However, mm. you want to frame. Mm-hmm. Okay. Three, three foundational truths. Uh, well, you know, the beauty in you are, I was having such a long conversation already that has naturally floated. I feel like I've already said maybe all three of them. So one of them is nothing. And people get really annoyed by this one because they're like, why can't you just be happy with whatever it is? Nothing in life deserves to go without critique. Mm. <laughs> I feel mm. like we as humans are supposed to be reflexive beings, which means that you're always in a cycle of learning and unlearning and fixing and tweaking and doing and like, I don't believe in complacency. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think critique allows me to not be complacent. And what I struggle, I think, as I'm in academia is like finding the goodness also within that critique. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just comes with time and age as I get older. Like, you become more humane and you understand, like, these harsh critiques are necessarily fair, but yeah. you can still be critical of the things that are happening in your life. Um, so that's one. Mm-hmm. I think the second one is approach all things with love. Um, 20, my mantra for 2020 is um, leading with love. My one last year was heavy, healthy, heavy, healthy, and there was another age. I can't remember, but heavy and healthy was like the, the tagline that I used on all my posts on social mm-hmm. media of just like going hard, you know, and going mm-hmm. hard in the things that I do, going hard in the things that I believe in and coming heavy, not mm-hmm. just, you know, MC Light talks about being light metaphorically yeah. and also being light skin and like playing on this thing. And I felt like for me as somebody who is a bigger mm-hmm. body, you know, I weigh 225, mm-hmm. 230, 225 mm-hmm. on a good day. <laughs> 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 being heavy is something that I physically am, but also I want to be heavy in the things that I do when people feel me when I'm around them they feel me you know like you it's, it's like an air thank you you're heavy and light at the same time though. <laughs> like you 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 your presence is felt always felt wow but you don't leave you don't leave you don't you don't leave you don't come in the room and you know on people and mm. leaves them and you make people around you lighter wow mm-hmm. have to um these quotes out, add them to my wall. Sadia said, 
Um, okay. Yes. That was your and third one. My third one, I think, would be. Hmm. Oh, my third one is is would have to be. I don't have a tagline for it, I guess, but I I try to walk in my authenticity all the time in every space i'll be in rooms with chancellors of university cussing because i believe that cussing has flavor Mm. to the world you know i believe that i can talk in ebonics or aave or the tongue Mm. that i have you know my dialect of english at the same time that i can Mm. articulate these words that are in miriam and webster you know (laughs) like i I don't have to be one version of myself in any one setting like i um solange talks about there are too many versions of herself to be one you know her new Mm. album and i feel very strongly about that like i'm not just um i don't just have duality or multiplicity like there are many many parts Mm. of myself that enter a space every single time i come into a space and i try to honor all of that all the time um and and sometimes that's hard you know people think that being authentic is an easy process but it it, it's easy to do if I'm by myself it's hard Mm -hmm. to do around people who don't understand their own authenticity and how their own authenticity should be loved and nurtured and brought up into a space you know so yes yes and I haven't Mm -hmm. always had those things validated I think for a really long time I've done authenticity as a form of like vengeance you know as like Mm -hmm. um you're telling me I have to do this one thing, so I'm going to show up real hard as my full self. And I've learned that that was like a performance, and now I'm in a space where I'm like, I can just be me. And I'm comfortable being me, and I'm comfortable saying the same thing that I would say to my advisor, to the, that I would say to my boyfriend, that I would say to my mom, to my grandma, mm-hmm. to a chancellor, to a news reporter, to anybody, because that's who I am. And, and if I look back in 20 years and say, damn, that's... <laughs> at 26 or whatever because that that's mm-hmm. those things are true to me and so I try to be true to me in, in those ways because mm-hmm. nobody else gonna do it and I would I be doing that. myself a disservice if I didn't mm. Mm. well <laughs> that's one that's one for us to think on for sure I'm just like yeah I'm taking that in okay and then I got two last questions the okay okay the last is Tell me one lesson Rona is teaching you or one lesson you're learning during the Rona. The Rona. Uh, let's see. Something that I am learning during the Rona. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rona is uh, giving me time to work on my craft and, and space to just be alone even though I live with a dog and another um, human, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's giving me some time to just like be in my space and really think and brainstorm. So I haven't been productive like on paper or maybe in my classes as I should be. We're also in a mm-hmm. pandemic, so I'm being gentle with myself. Um, but I'm like really thinking about uh, how I'm influenced by all these things, right? So I told you I was influenced by social media. I'm also influenced by like documentaries and the way that uh, people portray uh, something that happened in time or in their life through documentary and, and the tools that they use to create that. And I'm also influenced by like black girls and black wom- women who are doing really dope shit. I'm influenced by music. And so I think this time is giving me the space to just play around with thoughts, you know, not create right. anything. Just brainstorm. Like I have the space to just sit and mm. think about here are all my growing interests and here's how I make them make sense in some sort of capacity. Yeah. And then I also think something else um, that it's giving me time to do is 
um, not necessarily an academic craft per se yet, mm-hmm. but my photography business. So like I've signed up for some different courses because the Rona is discounting everything. Like people are, you know, not able to keep their businesses open or have to discount many prices. Like Nikon yeah. is giving a free like a month's worth of courses out what? to people. You don't even have to have a Nikon camera, you know, to learn certain skills about photography. Wow. I just signed up for a class that is usually, I think, marked at like $500 that is now $34 and it's like it's got hours of content you know and so I'm like how can I build up my crafts and give myself time Mm -hmm. to just play and explore maybe I'm not putting out a product but I'm learning and I'm getting deep in thinking Mm, I love that so the Rona is having us yes really sit down and learn some more yes okay well my oh sorry (laughs) I would just say I don't I don't want um, that to be taken as me like trying to be super productive because again, I am not being super productive and I don't believe something that's really frustrating about this time is that you have the productivity monsters. We have the rise and grind <laughs> Twitters. LLC you know, Twitter. <laughs> we Let have... me stop because I got an LLC, but I'm not <laughs> LLC Twitter. <laughs> but because like we're in a pandemic and that doesn't, I mean, just in general, yeah. pandemic or not. People don't have to move or live their life in any certain way to be successful. And I feel like this time, although maybe may seen as productive, I feel like there are ways that my advisor, that maybe my parents, that maybe other people would see that my time could be spent to be more productive. Mm-hmm. And it's not going in those ways. It's going in ways that are like still very much fueling me. And I think mm-hmm. building me in, in, in different ways, in ways that, you know, there's not anything tangible for yet, mm-hmm. but there will be. And I think that's important because one of the things that I thoroughly believe, I remember saying this to my mom when I was like, I don't know, 11, 10. I said to her, mom, the people who work the hardest in the world get the least. Is that how it's going to always be? The least. You know, so the, so if you really want to talk about productivity, let's talk about capitalism. Did you, I'm, okay. I'm Did you see, B, <laughs> do you follow B. Simone or do you know of B. Simone yes. and her? So she just, um, for the dollars. folks listening, yup, she was on her road to a million dollars in her savings account, you know, cash, liquid money. Mm-hmm. And I only saw the clip on Twitter, but she was talking about how there are all these people in her room. She's surrounded by all these people who believed in her. And she started naming people. One of the people she named used, didn't even have a car. And they, they had mm. to walk the shipments that she was getting from her business to mm. the post office for like the first six months that she worked for her. Wow. And then she talked about another girl who she did not pay a for for over a year who mm. was doing her work. You know, and so, yes, shout out to B. Simone for getting a million dollars, but also Mm -hmm. look at your whole team and how you play it off as this grinding culture. How about that? And these people around you didn't even have, they didn't have a car. They didn't ask you for no money. And you over here got a million. I don't care if you thousand dollars in your pocket. You Mm -hmm. ain't offering nobody nothing Mm -hmm. because they supposed to see you win. And that's maybe, maybe going to pay off for them in the long run. Like, we don't know that. Mm -hmm. So yes, capitalism yeah. girl. People working the hardest. They made her help. They helped her reach a million dollars, and maybe she'll pay them off now. But mm. for a whole year or how long, they was out there struggling, and that ain't right. Wow, I love there, right? Because people can craft narratives of oh, you know, people was grinding. We were support, and 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 LLC Twitter really got a problem with saying okay. oh, people didn't support me and didn't support this and support that, and I think. There's a lot of levels and layers to that. And once you decenter yourself 
Mm. You understand that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know that it, it hurts to feel like people aren't supporting you in the ways that you need. Right? But mm-hmm. that's, that's one part of the story, what you need. You know? <laughs> it's just one. It's just one. It's just one. It's just one. And my last question to you. All right, you can, I'm not going to clarify <laughs> it. I'm going to just say it. You know, I'm going to just do a Sadia thing and just let you, you know, however okay. you want to answer this. Aaron. Mm-hmm. What is your work? Ooh. <laughs> hmm. What a question. <laughs> <laughs> what a question. Okay, so I would say at, at this point in my life, at 26 years old, the year of 2020, um, I think my work is... to figure out ways and methods in which we can understand ourselves as black women and understand and and fully realize ourselves as black women on an individual level, right? And then understand that through different avenues, whether that's like photos, videos, social media, um, different uh, works of poetry, of books, there are millions of ways in which we can use different types of mirrors almost to understand ourselves and then how that how that understanding can serve as a um springboard almost for Mm -hmm. other black women to begin understanding themselves and realizing their power and and creating a community from that Uh, because i feel Mm -hmm. like i'm only the person that i am today because i took the time and still continue to take the time i don't feel like self-growth is ever is Mm -hmm. ever something that you you finish right it's always something you're going to be doing um it's because i took so much time to do that and then i continue Mm -hmm. to do that every single day week month year etc um and I feel like that has allowed me the space to be who I am fully. And I, I realize how much power is that in that. And I want every black woman that I meet <laughs> to experience that because it is revolutionary. You know, it is literally Adrian Marie Brown talks about pleasure activism, right? What does it mean to be an mm-hmm. activist for in your own pleasure and not necessarily sexual pleasure, although that is very important mm-hmm. let's talk about that <laughs> but um in all aspects of your life pleasure is just is just fun it's like it's just life it 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 fuels you it makes you and green and whatever you know like we should be activists as black women in our own pleasure and seeking that pleasure and understanding that pleasure and using that pleasure as a tool to continue to reinform who we are and continue to help grow us and so yeah I think that's where I see my work right now Wow. I love that. And on that, I love that. I love you. I love, <laughs> that you I love the energy that, you know what I mean, that you continue to cultivate in your own life and share with us. That Thank the chapter you so much. I want you to start with is Work Makes Life Sweet. Mm. Like right here through University of Michigan Library. Yes. <laughs> a whole ebook for Sisters of the Yam. So that will be coming to you. Yes. Um, and I really do thank you for joining me today. I really enjoyed this conversation. We need to catch up like all our own. But no, I'm yes. Really happy that this is something <laughs> that I can share with folks. You know what I mean? To just, just really to get a piece of your genius, right? And to get a piece of the, the energy that I'm talking about you bringing. And I know folks yes. will feel Yes, yes. Thank you so much for having me and sharing your brilliance mm-hmm. with us and me. I mean, every <laughs> time I talk to you, I feel like 
I'm sitting at, you know, the feet of my ancestors because I feel oh like you God. bring, I feel like you bring so much ancestral knowledge, you know, like you're, mm. I think you might be a year or two younger than me. And I feel like mm. I'm talking to somebody who is well beyond <laughs> my age, you know, mm. and that doesn't mean that I feel like you're an old woman. Cause we've been at the club twerking mm-hmm. together. I feel like, period. Okay. <laughs> I just feel like you, you just speak with so many people informing you. And that's such a beautiful thing and something that so many people don't okay. have. And I thank you for sharing that with me and, and with the people. I say, I love that. And I hope to continue to use it responsibly, you know, it's of course, you know, it's a beautiful thing to have and to hold, but it's even more precious, you know, for you to learn how to channel that. Yes. You know, how to be righteous with it and about it. Yes. Thank you so much. All right, sis. Well, I know you keep cooking, so I don't know what you, what y'all over there stuffing up today, but I'm looking forward to seeing it on Instagram. Yes. (laughs) All right, y'all. Can you give them one more time your um your website and your Instagram? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll give you a couple. So my professional, Mm -hmm. my professional Twitter is um Mm -hmm. the Play Finisher. T H E play finisher. I was a big sports girl growing up. Still love the sports. <laughs> you gotta finish the plays. And then um, my photography information. So on Instagram, it's Erin A Photography. That's E R I N N A E Photography. And the website is the same thing.